What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, Senior NBA Insider for HoopsHype.com and host of the Hoops Hype Podcast. With the NBA trade deadline rapidly approaching, the Los Angeles Lakers are in trade talks for DeJounte Murray and other players to potentially bolster the roster around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So with that in mind, I'm joined by my former colleague and current Lakers beat writer, Jovan Buha of The Athletic. And we're going to break down all the trade talks surrounding the Lakers and what's next for the team looking ahead with the trade deadline a couple of weeks away. What's up, brother? How you doing out in L.A.? My man, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. The people love you. The people wanted you back. I'm glad we had time <laughs> to, to carve this out. Um, usually when we do a Lakers pod, uh, you know, Lakers Twitter certainly enjoys it. And they've been in the news, brother, as you know. You, you've written about it on The Athletic. I've reported on it on Hype. I think the whole world has touched on it at some point about DeJounte Murray with the Los Angeles Lakers and the trade talks surrounding him with D'Angelo Russell, Jalen hood Shafino, and a 2029 first-round pick. The Hawks are looking ideally to clear some salary off the books. Looking ahead, DeJounte would be a logical trade candidate to do that. They don't want to take back salary ideally, which is why there would need to be a third team for that type of trade structure to happen regarding D'Angelo. Um, and you know, obviously the fit with D'Angelo with Trey Young as well, it, it wouldn't be an ideal fit. Um, brother, as I've been kind of looking and surveying the league, right. I'm trying to brainstorm, well, who would be a good third team that could make sense to take on D'Angelo's contract. And we've seen in the news recently, uh, Charlotte, is a team that is is willing to take on future con uh, future contracts for draft picks, but D'Angelo really wouldn't fit well there with uh, Lamelo Ball alongside him, and I don't know where uh, they'd be getting a pick from, you know, because the Lakers would have to obviously give up a pick at least, and Jalen Hutchinson, who they're kind of marketing as like a a second first round pick to kind of fit that equation from Atlanta, even though they took Kobe Bufkin ahead of him. So I, I really didn't know if that was a fit. Some people wondered if the Brooklyn Nets would be willing to take on D'Lo back uh, with Spencer Dinwiddie being involved in a trade to either the Hawks or the Lakers. You know, he's a proven point guard on an expiring contract, but I'm not sure Brooklyn's appetite for Russell to do that. And so this leads me to the team I wanted to ask you about, in my opinion, that maybe could make sense. The Washington Wizards as the third team. And I say this because there's been reports about the Lakers having interest in Tyus Jones, a Washington Wizard. And the question I would have, there's a willingness from Washington to use trade exceptions to use their roster to take on contracts for future draft picks. Now the question I would have is where would that come from? Whether it's Atlanta, the Lakers or, or somewhere else, even if they had to do a four team, but when you survey the market and you look at the DeJounte Murray trade talks with the Lakers, knowing that it's probably going to need a third team to happen. 
where were you kind of brainstorming and what are you seeing out there of who could be a fit that would make this ultimately happen where DeJounte goes to the Lakers at this point? Well, right now you're, you're highlighting the hurdle, I think, with this trade right now um, with the, the Lakers needing to find a third team because that's how it usually goes is, uh, you know, if you're having your negotiations and if you're Atlanta, you're like, you know, we don't want to take back D'Lo. So you need to find a third team and figure out how that's going to, you know, what can you add to sweeten it to, to get them involved uh, and, and then, you know, uh, send D'Lo somewhere else. So I, I think, I mean, you mentioned some of the, the, the names I've heard out there, Brooklyn, Charlotte, uh, Washington, could Detroit or San Antonio get involved? Like, r- really, it has to be a team that's willing to take on some bad money, you know, likely a, a lottery team that, um, you know, will, will look to recoup assets from most likely the Lakers in the form of could be a second round pick or two, uh, could be a pick swap. Um, you know, they don't have another first to trade. That first would be going to Atlanta uh, in, in the potential framework of this deal. So I think right now this is what the, the Lakers are trying to figure out is who can be that third team and, um, you know, what do they have to to add into the deal? And are they comfortable adding that into the deal? You know, is adding a second round pick or two, is, is that, you know, are they comfortable with that? Is that palatable for them? Uh, or, uh, you know, potentially adding a pick swap or, or whatever it ends up being, or do they throw in uh, like a Max Christie, a, a young 3 and D prospect that they are very high on. Um, he's not even 21 years old yet, and he's already played rotation minutes for them both last season and this season. So I think for them, they're weighing the, the pros and cons of, uh, you know, what it would take to actually get this deal done. But from my understanding, DeJounte is their priority right now. That to you know, to me would be the most likely trade outcome right now if I was handicapping the odds. So I think they're the favorites to land him. The big hurdle right now is finding that third team. And, you know, the, the longer this process drags out, you do risk if another player or two gets moved and all of a sudden it's kind of a game of musical chairs where uh, you know, so now Terry Rogier's off the board. That also knocks off Miami, theoretically. Uh, but, the, you know, the, the more movement happens, all of a sudden, you don't want to be the team that gets lost or, or gets left without, uh, you know, a, a, an upgrade. So maybe all of a sudden that drives up the DeJounte price and, uh, you know, maybe Philly gets involved or a, another suitor gets involved that has assets uh, and, and can outbid the Lakers. So it is a delicate dance of, of trying to, you know, keep as many of your assets as you can while also being cognizant of the closer we get to the deadline, you know, random stuff happens. Teams can pivot, change their, get desperate, you know, change their stance on what they're willing to give up for a player like DeJounte and you run the risk of, of potentially being outbid. So um, th- this is all the stuff that the, the Lakers are, are discussing and going over right now. But um, I, I think Washington is an interesting one. As you said, I, I think Brooklyn is another one of, um, you know, do, do, can the Lakers potentially even expand that deal and, and try and get uh, a Spencer Dinwiddie or a Dorian Finney-Smith or a Royce O'Neal, uh, guys that they've had interest in? And, you know, can maybe they bring back a couple of pieces, um, you know, including DeJounte 
and, and really sort of remake this rotation that has obviously been struggling for the most part throughout this season. So I, I think these are the conversations they're having, and I don't have a great answer in terms of an exact third team, but I think as we're discussing, like it, it is some of these lottery teams that would have to be willing to take on Delo's contract, not really care if it's going to make them more competitive or not, and, and then also get back some assets from, you know, an asset or two from the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, you touched on a lot of different things there. I would say, you know, with Philly, I, I don't think DeJounte Murray and Tyrese Maxey is an, is an ideal fit. So I always question that. Um, I've certainly touched on the New York Knicks as another team that was in the hunt for DeJounte Murray. Uh, that, that has cooled off more on the, on the lines of, New York currently feels the asking price for DeJounte Murray is a bit too high right now. And, you know, it's one thing for a first round pick, the expiring contract of Evan Fournier. You know, you can throw Quentin Grimes in there. Certainly that's, that's been a little bit kicked around. And so you've got some pieces there, but that extra first round pick that Atlanta's looking for hasn't been something that New York has an appetite to move at this point. Um, you know, you kind of touched on the Lakers being, uh, having DeJounte Murray as their top trade target. I would essentially, I would say he's certainly the biggest name they're, they're looking at. And I would argue in a, on a bigger scale, I think when you look across the league, he might be the biggest name left on the board. You know, there was a lot of talk about, oh, could, uh, Lowry marketing maybe go somewhere. I I think that was more wishful thinking from rival executives. He's going to renegotiate and extend. I I presume, and I know Bobby Marks agreed with me on that when we did a pod here on Hoops Hype. Um, I, I don't really see, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Cleveland keeps telling teams he's not for sale. You go down the list of stars around the league and, and there's not a lot. You know, DeJounte's a guy that... Uh, before he went to Atlanta and was a primary point guard, he was an all-star with San Antonio. This is just me spitballing with you, brother, but I've always said to myself, like, where are the Orlando Magic? Like, I think if you if you look at the Orlando Magic, I could see them absolutely using DeJounte Murray as a point guard, and they have the assets to to get it done and trade for him. Haven't heard any talk on it, but just me surmising. And so you touched on other teams, you know, for DeJounte that could take them. And and in a bigger picture, uh, San Antonio, Detroit. I mean, certainly Detroit has a ton of guards. So I, from that. Uh, there, there, I, was, I was saying as a third team for, for the Lakers to facil- to help facilitate. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're saying with, with D'Angelo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you yeah, know, okay, you okay, sound like sorry. the Pistons. I get it with the cap space perspective. I get it with... Um, you know, San Antonio as well, as you brought up. Um, but what I thought was interesting is like, you know, when I mentioned about Dinwiddie and the Nets and you say like the bigger construct, you talk about maybe Dorian Finney-Smith and I touched on Tyus Jones. So when you look at the Lakers, it's not, yes, DeJounte is the biggest guy they are going after for sure. Um, but I would say that there's certainly been other guys out there that they are looking at that could round out the roster. Now there's a bunch of different names, but you brought up Dorian. I brought up Tyus Jones. Might as well start there. Um, 
when it comes to Tyus Jones, that's why I brought up the Wizards because I felt like they're Tyus, they're looking for a point guard. Tyus Jones is a guy they're looking at. Expiring contract, great assist to turnover ratio kind of guy. Thrived in Memphis. Um, when when you have heard stuff around Tyus Jones in particular, um, what are some constructs that you've heard involving him and the Lakers that could make sense for for Rob Palenka where they're trying to get uh, a guy like him, for example? Yeah, um, I think right now the, the Lakers, and, and I, I'm sure we'll get into some of the, the D'Lo stuff, but the, the level that he's played at, I think, has made them rethink things a little bit um, as far as like just the, the caliber of player that they'd be willing to give him up for. Um, and, and then you look at it like I think on paper, uh, you know, that Gabe Vincent contract would be uh, a contract they would love to move. But with two years left on that deal and him still recovering from knee surgery, and really an unclear timetable as of right now. Like, I don't know how you uh, can, you know, take that con uh, that contract on and not have some concern about, you know, is this just dead money? And it is about, uh, I think, around 22 million remaining over the next couple of years. So it's not like crippling salary necessarily, but I don't think teams are, um, you know, really looking forward to, you know, potentially taking that on and the Lakers would have to attach, uh, I mean, maybe a first round pick to move off Gabe Vincent or, or a second round pick or a pick swap, whatever. And like, do you really want to give that up? Uh, and, and maybe, you know, maybe the answer is maybe uh, the other guy that they can move would be Rui Hachimura, but you are creating, I think a different problem potentially in your front court now where you are losing uh, your, your third best front court scorer behind LeBron and AD, you are losing some size uh, to kind of plug the point guard, uh, the backup point guard spot. But again, now I, I think you have some issues in the front court uh, unless you're addressing it with a separate move. So I think that's where the the challenge is. Like D'Lo for DeJounte, at least from a positional standpoint, just makes a lot of sense. You are replacing one of your starting guards with another starting guard. Um I don't think D'Lo to Tyus is an upgrade. Um, I think at best it's a lateral move, but more likely with the way that D'Lo has been playing the, the, this last week and a half, it, it, it's a downgrade. And um, you know, the, you do have to factor in the contract, and that that is something that um, you know I think D'Lo and Austin Reeves often get pitted against each other with, with the fan base, and um, there's a lot of overlap with their skill sets. But one thing you have to keep in mind is. Austin Reeves is under contract for at least two more seasons, if not three, at a very team-friendly price. Uh, whereas D'Lo, because of the player option, now you're in a situation where if he's opting in, that's basically because he has no market and and he's likely declined. Uh, you know his play has is worsened over the the remaining part of the season, or for whatever reason he just you know doesn't have a lot of interest, or if he continues this play. Now, all of a sudden, he's opting out and you have all this competition potentially for his services. And at a minimum, you have to give him a pay raise. So I think for the Lakers, just just from an, a cap sheet management standpoint, trading D'Lo is, you know, and they don't have any interest in trading Austin Reeves anyway. But, but between those two, 
you know, moving Delo makes more sense. But with the way he's playing, again, like I, I don't, I don't know what the what the move is for a Tyus Jones or another midsize guy because it's it's really Rui or it's Gabe, and I, I don't think teams are again um, really looking to take on that that Gabe deal right now. And Rui, I think, creates a different hole in the rotation if you end up moving him and don't get another front court guy. Yeah, Gabe Vincent is definitely viewed as a negative asset right now around the league because the guy's been hurt and he hasn't been able to really show if he can fit with the Lakers or not. And there's always the stigma that Miami Heat role players are not as good elsewhere ex with the exception of Max Struess, the way he's played so far this year for Cleveland. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, if it was D'Angelo Russell and, and something with Tyus, it's more... I would think a three or four team deal where D'Angelo goes uh, routed somewhere else, but the Lakers are ending up with DeJounte and then, you know, maybe do they do something with Tyus as well as a backup point guard? Maybe. Um, but it's all more food for fodder um, and whatnot. As far as, uh, you know, you touched on Rui Hachimura a little bit. Um, you know, earlier in the year, there was some talk, well, would D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura to Chicago in a package for Zach Levine make sense? That seems to all but have gone out the window at this point. Um, would you agree, brother, that uh, the Zach Levine to the Lakers talk is as close to done as it could be at this point? I mean, there's still two weeks left, so you never say never, but... It seems certainly at this point that uh, it's highly unlikely. Yeah, I think it's on life support. Uh, <laughs> I, and, 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 and really, like, I think going back to uh, my initial reporting on this back in, I, I want to say it was like mid to late November, um, I'd reported that the Lakers had more interest in a potential DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso package. And, and you know, e either DeMar individually or, or Alex individually or both of those guys combined um, just because of the contract situation with DeMar being an expiring uh, Alex having a very team-friendly contract and having a partial guarantee for next season which the Lakers of course would uh, fully guarantee uh, and Alex has kind of been the one that got away uh, for the Laker organization and, and the fan base uh, so I, I think from my understanding that was always um, you know, bring in DeMar as, as sort of a, a win now short-term move or bringing back Alex because of his fit uh, with, with LeBron and, and AD and, and his defense and his improved three-point shooting. And again, just the, the, the team-friendly deal. Like those were the, the names I was hearing more uh, associated with the Bulls versus Zach, who's got another $138 million guaranteed over the next uh, few seasons. So um, I think, I mean, it made some sense with just his offensive ability and uh, them kind of needing that third guy. But I think at that time, they were still figuring out the, the D'Lo Austin backcourt. Austin wasn't playing as well. He has since played much better. D'Lo has broken out again over the past week and a half as a starter. Um, so I think they're more comfortable with that that third scoring role. Um, and then I think looking at a guy like DeJounte, you can also upgrade your scoring, but bring in a guy who is on a better contract and is better defensively. So 
Uh, I mean, and, and the other thing here is Zach's injured right now. And, you know, I, I know he's, he's expected back within the next couple of weeks or so, but um, you, you never really want to trade for a guy who, who's injured. So I, I wouldn't say they're completely dead. I, I think if Chicago got really desperate and lowered the price for Zach and the DeJounte move fell through for whatever reason, like perhaps the Lakers would could consider it or, or revisit those talks. But I think for now, given his injury status, given them pivoting more toward DeJounte or executing a smaller move, um, I think the the Zach situation is is pretty close to dead. Yeah, and you touched on DeMar, DeRozan, and Alex Caruso. Uh, certainly something like that. Chicago would want Austin Reeves. Uh, look, again, you've touched on it. I certainly have. Anybody that keeps up with the Lakers knows Jeannie Buss loves Austin Reeves and um, he's, he's been a good fit for them overall. Um, you know, you can question whether some of the team USA stuff has, uh, you know, I don't want to say hampered him, but made him a little bit like sluggish to start the year, but he's not a guy they're easily parting with if at all, um, unless like there's a true star, that maybe they can get, then that's a different conversation. But, um, you know, you also touched on Dorian Finney-Smith a little earlier. The, the Lakers have been linked to him. They've been linked to Malcolm Brogdon, Bruce Brown, Dennis Schroeder. Um, I guess uh, w- when you look at some of those guys, I mean, I, I'll say this. With Malcolm Brogdon, uh, you know, it would a lot of executives around the league think it would take at least a first-round pick to get Brogdon off of Portland. Um, you know, I, I had spoken with Malcolm Brogdon recently and I, I had written about it on Hoops IP. He, he mentioned about, you know, his role that he enjoys on one hand being valued for his leadership and whatnot, but it's definitely been a challenge with the young guys because their emphasis is uh, the development of Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons. And so while Brogdon is a good veteran to have on that team, he's not on paper necessarily the best fit, I would say. Um, So when you look at kind of those other trade targets for the Lakers with Brogdon, Dennis Schroeder, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Bruce Brown, how realistic do you think it is that the Lakers come away with one of those uh, around the edges type of pieces? I look at Bruce Brown as someone that the Lakers have had interest in really dating back to last summer. I mean, I had the report that uh, there was about a a 48 hour period, you know, before free agency, um, which is kind of funny because it it shows how these things work. But uh, (laughs) 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 yeah, they're they're expected to show interest and, you know, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, but th- there was a, there was a period there where the Lakers thought they were going to get Bruce Brown jr. Uh, w- with their, uh, non-taxpayer mid-level exception. And, you know, be, because that was his, at the time that was his projected market was going to be the, the full, uh, MLE and among the, you know, there, there were several teams interested in him. I, I believe it was, it was Dallas and it was New York and, and maybe a couple others I'm forgetting, but kind of at the 11th hour, Indiana swooped in with, hey, we're going to give him cap space. And of course, the Lakers and and you know, several other, other teams couldn't compete with that. And once he gets that 
you know, two year, 40, whatever million dollar contract it was, um, you know, he, he was going to sign that. And, uh, you know, that, that was what it was, but the Lakers were very excited about the, the prospects of, of adding him. I mean, he played, I think his best series was probably against the Lakers during that championship run and just his versatility of being able to play small forward and, and being able to play backup point guard and um, just his utility as a, uh, you know, good defender who could also uh, bring the ball up, shoot the ball well and rebound tough, um, just a, a good intangibles guy. I think that really appealed to the Lakers as a, a you know, potential Swiss army knife that um, could, could do different things for them. So they've had interest in him dating back to last summer. And um, I, I think, the, the second he got traded, uh, I, I was working the phones and, and trying to figure out, uh, you know, what would be realistic. So I think it would come down to, it would kind of be similar to the the Jante situation in, you know, would the Raptors want to take on D'Angelo Russell's contract and, and would that make sense for them? Uh, likely not. So now you're kind of in the same position where you have to take, you know, find a third team. And for the Lakers, it's like, you know, is going from D'Angelo to Bruce, is that a, again, is that a lateral move? Is that a downgrade? Is that an upgrade? Like, how do they view that? Um, I think that the more realistic one would probably be Rui for Bruce Brown. Uh, but again, does Toronto want to take on Rui? Do you have to reroute him in in a three team deal? What are the additional assets you have to give up? Um, and, and, you know, if is, is Rui plus a, let's, let's just say like a lottery protected first for Bruce, is, is that a better move than D'Lo and, and JHS and, and a first and maybe something else for DeJounte? Uh, like I, I, you know, I think that those are questions that they're, they're weighing right now internally. So, um, I would say for, from what I've heard, Bruce would probably be in terms of actual names and, and the, the likelihood of some of these things. After after Dejounte, uh, I would say Bruce is probably second um, in, in terms of guys that are really going after. But again, the price is high, so it, you know it's it's going to cost you one of your rotation guys and some draft capital and and maybe even an, another young guy uh, that that you're throwing in to make the salary work. So it, it is the I mean, unfortunately for the Lakers, they're kind of in this position where they haven't really been able to see their full roster for, for most of this season. So they're doing a lot of this based on like what we think this looks like, you know, who we think fits, who we think doesn't. So, so they're doing some of this stuff kind of blindly to an extent We're just not having the the full sample size that you would want to have up to this point in the season. But um, I would say DeJounte and, and Bruce are probably the two biggest names are going after right now. And then with the smaller guys, um, you know, there's got like a, a DF, uh, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, like I think there's going to be a lot of competition for him. And, and um, I, you know, I saw there was a report that the, the Nets want two first round picks for him. I, I don't know that, if that's true that or not, but, but yeah. Oh, that, so that was you. Okay. Um, I, I think I, I'd seen it on a blog. So I, I didn't know who Nets, they were. Yeah, I know. Nets Daily, Nets Daily had mentioned it. Okay. I, I, yeah. love, I love my guy there, but yeah, that. Uh, yeah. So, so, that, so, so yeah. And that's, that's a lot. And, and for the Lakers, I, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, giving up, you know, if, if you're giving up the equivalent, because let, let's say they they do the Dejounte deal, um, you know, they don't have two first round picks to to trade, but you do have you do have one tradable pick. You can throw in JHS, who is halfway through his rookie season. Some people may view that as as 
sort of a first round pick close to it uh, value. And then you could throw in a pick swap or, or, you know, a second or whatever, and, and kind of get close to that two first round pick price point. Are you doing that for Dorian Finney Smith? I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, at least from the Lakers perspective. So that's where it gets a little tricky with, with some of the asking prices for role players, because right now there's a lot more buyers than sellers. And yes, for a guy like a, a Caruso, a guy like a DFS, like, those guys can command uh, two first round picks, but you know, for, for a team to meet that price point, it's uh, I think you, you really have to be in a certain situation. And I don't know if the Lakers are, are quite there uh, at least right now. Yeah. And you, you touched on Bruce as being second behind DeJounte Murray as, as in terms of the Laker trade target pecking order. I, I went on Sportsnet in Toronto yesterday and they were asking me about Bruce Brown because obviously they just acquired him and they were asking me teams I had heard interested. Certainly the Knicks, Tom Thibodeau's ideal type of player. And by the way, you talk about the Lakers interest in him. I'll tell you this. The Knicks had him as the number one free agent target to my knowledge ahead of Max Struess and other players, um, you know, before obviously he ended up going back uh, and, and doing the, excuse me, going and doing the deal with the Indiana Pacers, which the Knicks and other teams simply couldn't meet. And and good on the Pacers for doing that. Clearly it was a worthwhile move when they flipped him for Pascal Siakam and the picks. Um, the other team I had heard that I wanted to bring to your attention and, and for the transcript on hoop type coming, the Dallas Mavericks were another team that I heard in the mix for Bruce Brown. They also had considered going after him in, in free agency last year with the money that they had available. Um, you know, and this was obviously before they ended up with uh, doing a deal with uh, Grant Williams, but Bruce Brown was certainly high on their list as a guy they thought could fit. And as a trade candidate, for them now they've looked at upgrading the three and the four positions they're turning down requests for Derek Lively uh, who a lot of other teams covet so be interesting to see if they can wiggle their way in there as well um you know and just regarding Bruce I mean it'd be interesting to see if the Lakers can parlay him and maybe something bigger into getting Dennis Schroeder as well have another reunion there um Malcolm Brogdon, do, do you see that at all or not as likely? Uh, I think it, it really depends, again, what what the package looks like. Uh, because uh, I think, and, and I had this aggregated yesterday and, and I did a podcast and it was talking about D'Lo and, and the Lakers' um, appetite to, to keep him. And again, as I said earlier, like I think there's just, there's a cap management uh, angle to it of if you keep D'Lo past the deadline, you are risking either him opting in because he doesn't have a market, which isn't a good sign. It isn't what that's where player options can get a little tricky uh, or opting out. And again, you now have to pay him a lot more money potentially um, or just lose him for nothing. And then I'll, you know, you, you've lost that asset. So uh, like the, the D'Lo contract was, essentially you know, signed to be traded uh, and he waived uh, his de facto no trade clause, which was a new stipulation with, with the CBA. And 
you know, he he's obviously did that with the awareness that he could be moved by the deadline. So um, again, I, I look at like Delo to Brogdon and, and the potential draft capital that you have to give up. Is that is that enough? Uh, or you know, is that is that a again is that a lateral move? Like you know, maybe it's an upgrade, but. I don't know if it's worth, you know, potentially giving up a, a first round pick or or a pick swap or or whatever, you know, Portland's going to want. And then I look at again the Rui situation of are you creating are you, you plugging one hole to create another one and like is Brogdon going to accept potentially coming off the bench and and playing a smaller role? Like th- there's just a lot of factors there that um I think a couple weeks ago when Delo was really struggling, uh some of this stuff made sense and um, but at the same time, again, you, you have to factor in contracts. You have to factor in like the, the Lakers are trying to juggle both the short term with the, some of this longer term uh, planning. So, you know, maybe it does ultimately make sense to, f- to flip D'Lo for, for Brogdon. But I think w- with the way that D'Lo is playing, th- there is this thought process of, you know, if, if he can play like this for the rest of the season, like we might not need to make a, a move and you know, the, the, there is some risk in that just because as we've seen in the past, like he has had some inconsistency throughout his career, particularly in the playoffs, which is where the Lakers, you know, th- that's what they really care about right now is you know, they're, they're probably going to be a playing team. But once they get there, can they rely on you? Can you help raise uh, the, the floor and the ceiling of this group? So, it, I, I mean, I, I think Brogdon is definitely someone they're considering. I, I just think at this point, it, it's a matter of, some of their other priorities and ultimately how much are they willing to give up and what to them might just simply be a lateral move or, or a slight improvement. And like, is that worth draft capital and, 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 you know, that potentially hampering you for what you can do down the road. Agreed. And I mean, I think we pretty much, I think we pretty much touched on all the trade candidates out there with them. Um, But with that in mind, there's two other guys I wanted to touch with you on before we head out of here. First, LeBron James. Uh, his future with the Lakers was called into question recently. I think it was Brian Windhorst who said, uh, you know, you could see him playing next year, but he didn't know if it was the Lakers. And that could have just been a thought, but it drives a conversation of two things. One, would LeBron come back? next year and continue playing in the NBA? I think so. I, this guy still at a playing at a high level. I don't see, you know, he hasn't shown signs of slowing down. Uh, so I would assume yes. And the second part of that was, would it be for the Los Angeles Lakers? Uh, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about when Bronny James comes to the NBA would he go there, you know, whenever he's eligible for the draft, if a team would take him and so the, uh, Bronny could play with his dad, LeBron. I mean, that would be fascinating in itself to see if one Bronny goes into the, a lot of hypotheticals we're talking about, but if Bronny would go to the NBA draft next year, number one, number two, who would take him and number three, how would that affect LeBron's decision? So with all that context in mind, do you see LeBron playing next year? And is it in purple and gold with the Los Angeles Lakers? Uh, yes. And I think so. Um, I mean, he, he's got a fifth 
dollar player option next year. And I know that the man is a billionaire and he has uh, an incredible uh, you know, asset portfolio and just, you know, all these different things that he's doing and, and making money off of. But $50 million is still $50 million. And, uh, you know, potentially Bronny ends up on a team that has cap space and they can work some things around to sign LeBron. But I, I think in pretty much any scenario that he's joining Bronny on a different team, uh, that is going to require him taking a pay cut and, and likely a substantial pay cut. And maybe you know he wants to play with Bronny that bad that it's not about the money. It's about the experience and helping, uh, you know, shepherd his son into his NBA career and, um, you know, just being there for all of his firsts of, you know, joining the team and, and road trips and all that stuff. Uh, but I, I think one thing that it, it got some attention at the time, but it, it's since been lost when, when I see people discuss this is going back to the playoffs once Bronny. Uh, so in, I think it was in the Golden State Series second round. Uh, Bronny commits to USC and, and LeBron is asked about it. And he kind of softens his stance on whether he wants to play on the same team as Bronny and, and sort of, you know, he, he talks about how great it would be to share the floor with him. And but he also has this quote about like, you know, it's my dream, but I don't know if it's his dream. And as my, you know, as his father and he's my son, like I have to respect what his dreams are. So I think we've always heard the, the LeBron Bronny, um, you know, fantasy of playing together from LeBron's side and, and LeBron's camp. And um, we haven't heard much of it from the Bronny side. And and that's not to say that Bronny doesn't want it, but, and part of that of course has been, he was a high schooler and like, he's not doing many interviews, but I do think there's a, there's an aspect of, you know, does Bronny want this? Has LeBron softened his stance on it? And is it just, you know, I want to be on the same floor as him and and that could be me as a Laker, him as a a you know a player on another team, or is it I you know I need to be on the same team as him? I'm going to make it happen. Like we don't know the answer to that. Um, that question hasn't been asked in a while. So I think for me, like Le- LeBron is some to me is so much left in the tank that I think he's going to play next season. I, I think he's going to play another two to three more years, m- most likely. And then again with the, with the fifty million dollar player option, like. Really, the only way I could see it, him, I, I think there's two paths. It's it's Bronny uh, being drafted elsewhere and LeBron wanting to join that team. And two, it's like the Lakers stand pat at the deadline. The season goes haywire. You know, they, they miss the playing tournament or they make the playing tournament, but they don't make the playoffs. And like, they just, they, they end the season in, in sort of a disastrous fashion and LeBron is like, can I actually win a championship here? Because that that still matters to him. Is he wants to compete for championships? He's looking for ring number five. So if the Lakers are in a position where at the end of the season, you know, they, they end it with a whimper, they go out as like the nine seed or the eleven seed or whatever, and LeBron doesn't even make the playoffs, I think that's a situation where he he potentially reconsiders his future. But Again, like he he has roots here in LA. His other son is, uh, you know, Bryce is is playing uh, high school out here. His family is out here, so it's like, you know, you are giving up likely money, uh, you know, just lifestyle uh, and and your family 
to go somewhere else to to try and win a fifth ring. So I I, I think overall handicapping it like I think he's going to be here. I, I think he's going to stay in L.A. But I'm just kind of laying out maybe a couple of the alternatives where you know the the, the Bronny situation is, is just too big of a draw. He wants to be with him elsewhere, or things go you know off the rails with the Lakers, and maybe he just decides like this isn't the right situation for me anymore. Good insight on it. And that's why I brought you on. So I'm going to leave you with this, brother. Uh, Darvin Ham is routinely a trending topic on Twitter for Lakers Twitter, NBA Twitter, um, pretty much any coach that coaches the Lakers. We saw with Frank Vogel. Now it's Darvin Ham's uh, chance in the chair. So do you see Darvin Ham making it through the rest of the season and going into the offseason as the Lakers coach. I personally do, but I'm curious if you saw that because I thought it was interesting with, you know, I think Doc called, Doc Rivers called the Lakers game uh, recently on ESPN. I thought that was interesting. Um, but just curious, again, I see Darvin staying with the Lakers at least through the rest of the season, and then we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But what are your thoughts on I guess the job that Darvin Ham has done this season and whether he'll, well, what's his future look like with the Lakers? I, I think he's safe through the rest of the season. Um, again, kind of uh, along the same lines with the LeBron situation. I think if, if things went completely haywire and the Lakers lost six games in a row, seven games in a row, eight games in a row, and you see them just spiraling down the standings, uh, that's where maybe things get wobbly. And, and that, that was, you know, you know, I had the, the report with, um, Shams, uh, you know, uh, earlier in the month, uh, after that Miami loss. And, and that was the, the Lakers were trending in that direction. You know, they, they lost four games in a row for, uh, the, the second in, you know, a, a few weeks and, uh, the, you know, there's some disconnect in the locker room and, uh, players were upset about their roles and the rotations and the lineups and, and different things. So I don't think that stuff is entirely gone. I don't think it's been entirely solved. Like the Lakers are five and four in their last nine games. Uh, they're five and six in 2024. So like they've been playing better compared to how they were playing post IST, but it's not like all of a sudden they're these world beaters who are, um, you know, making a, a second half surge like they did last season. So I think that there still are things to figure out. And, and that's partly why they're going to be active at the trade deadline and, and trying to resolve some of the the issues that they've had. But uh, part of it, I think, has been a coaching situation where, um, you know, as we reported, like guys have just been frustrated with the inconsistency in, in, in terms of roles and, and rotations and, and lineups. And a big part of that, I think if you talk to the Lakers, if you talk to Darvin, it would be the injuries and they have had a lot of injuries, but some of it has been, if you look like, you know, player X is out tonight. Well, now it's a brand new starting lineup. It's a brand new rotation. Uh, the identity of the team changes in that game. And that is more so where I think people have had frustration. It's not, you know, yes, if LeBron is out, you're, you're going to have a new starting lineup, but um, you know, are there ways to keep your identity and keep some consistency even when certain guys are out? And that's what people have wanted. And I think to Darwin's credit, he has done that more in uh, 
you know, the, the past couple of weeks. Like if you look at their rotations, he has trimmed it down. Guys have played more consistently in, in certain spots in games. And uh, I think looking at this new starting lineup that they've had of uh, going back to the original starting lineup that they had to start the season uh, with AD, LeBron, Torian, Austin, and D'Lo, like they've been playing much better offensively. They're now bringing in all these uh, athletic, big defensive minded guys off the bench. And um, it's kind of, you know, throwing in different pitches, uh, so to speak. So I think things are are trended overall in a, a more positive direction. Now they're going to most likely make a move here and mix up the the chemistry and the continuity and, and the lineups again, uh, bringing in, you know, wh- whoever they end up bringing in. Uh, so that's another kind of wrinkle of, of how does that affect things? And, and, you know, are guys still going to be bought in or they're still going to be happy with their role. But um, I think for with, with Darvin, it really would have had have gotten to a point that was just ugly and untenable for the Lakers to move on to him or move on from him rather it was, I think it was heading there early in the season. And and if you looked at their upcoming schedule, it was games against the Clippers, games against the Mavericks, games against the Thunder. And it was like, if they continue on this skid, like at some point, you know, you're less than a month away from the trade deadline. Like you, you have to make a decision. Uh, but they won, you know, they, they beat the Clippers, they beat the Mavericks, they beat the Thunder. So they have responded to some of this adversity pretty well. Uh, and, and I think that's a credit to Darwin. I think it's a credit to... The, the players and um, but I think that the, his future is, is more so I think going to be how how does the season end and again are they a playing team do they miss the plan uh, do they make the playoffs because you know most likely if you're if you're eight nine ten like you're probably gonna have to win uh, a couple games and you know can they do that and, and make some noise in the playoffs or do you lose in round one do you miss the playoffs do you miss the play in now all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're potentially having a different conversation. As as we know, you know, coaches tend to get fired you know, more so in the off season, and depending on who else gets fired and and what the the coaching landscape looks like, you know, maybe the Lakers go in a different direction at that point. But uh, I think for now he he's safe. Again, I think things would really have to uh, go in you know you know in, in a spiral downward uh, again for for his seat to start getting warm. But come off you know come the off season, I, I think it's going to basically be how did the season end uh and and you know where where are things that with, with the key you know, players in the situation in terms of lebron and ad and potentially another player if the lakers make a bigger move adrian griffin would like a word about coaches you know after the season um <laughs> that's fair <laughs> i mean that man that that was that's unprecedented that was so quickly done and <laughs> oh man, what a time! Um, you know, I wonder what Terry Stotts and Mike Budenholzer are thinking right now. But that's for a different pod, um, brother. I appreciate you taking time out to join me. I know our phones are lighting up like Times Square on New Year's Eve with <laughs> a lot of trade stuff going on right now. But always fun talking with you about life in general, Lakers as well. Um, you know, we talk about everybody else's future on this team, LeBron, Darvin. Uh, knock on wood, you will continue to be here covering this team. You do a great job. So I do implore the listeners and the readers who check out the transcript, check out Yovan's work on The Athletic. And I wanted to thank everybody else for tuning in as well. 
If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members such as Jovan Buha, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Jovan too. He's at Jovan Buha. That's J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.